Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Jason Harris. He has a best-selling book, uh, The Soulful Art of Persuasion, but he also runs Mechanism, a 200-person creative agency, uh, and he's run campaigns for over 20 years for companies like Peloton, Ben & Jerry's, and many, many more. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So I want to start this off. I have a few of your principles from your book, The Soulful Art of Persuasion. I want to ask before I dive into some of those principles that I think are just an instant value add right off the bat for anybody listening. Uh, what inspired you to, to write that book? So I've been in the marketing advertising space for 20 years. And so I'm always uh, sort of pitching and selling. I'm running a business, a, you know, entrepreneur uh, mindset. And I'm always, maybe like you, I'm, I'm always trying to learn and hone my craft and dive into books and read other people's sort of approaches. And I felt like there was a way that I had built my business and the way that I work that wasn't necessarily covered in a lot of the books that I read. And I felt like there was an opportunity uh, to put sort of my point of view out into the world and, and kind of make a difference for people starting businesses or running businesses um, or really anyone. Because it, when you think about persuasion, you know, we're, we're all persuading every moment of every day in some aspect, you know, whether you're persuading, um, you know, you're, you're an NBA player and you're persuading the GM to give you a bump or right, or for you to get your bonus, or if you walk into your boss's office and you say, I want, I want that promotion, or if you're persuading, you know, a girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other to go on a trip with you, we're <laughs> in these sort of like moments of, we're all like selling and, and persuading all day long in some way or form. And so this book to me, it's a business book, but it's really much broader. And so the soulful persuasion, the soulful art, um, that was a piece that was missing. I think there's a lot of books about persuasion and those principles or selling or building a business, but I felt like they lacked a little bit of the soul piece. Yeah, you definitely need that. That you got to connect with the person before you sell them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You got to build. You got to work on building relationships. You can't be transactional. Oh, that's that's it right there. So I want to just dive through these principles real quick. Uh, your first principle is around being original. Um, it says, "Be yourself because everybody else is taken." Uh, don't be afraid of wearing your your personal idiocracies uh, on your sleeve. Uh, collect role models and draw inspiration from their uniqueness and stick to your core values. Yeah. So that's really to me about, you know, this original one is really about making sure you know your values, what you stand for, and you're, you're being yourself. You know, that's really what it's about. It's about being your original self, knowing who you are first and then sticking with that. And so you see a lot of people that might have their, um, you know, personal, persona and then their work persona you know they they and for me it's about blending everything and it's about being true to yourself um really at, at all times and and some ways um i talk about in the book where you can do that is really you know write down your values and beliefs understand what they are learn to be a great storyteller as part of being original which is really um trying to make your point of view to an audience or to someone else and 
and transporting them through stories. So a collection of stories, either from events that have happened to you in your life or role models that you have or books that you've read or movies that you've watched, but really knowing a collection of stories that you can use um, at your disposal to sort of talk about things that you believe in and who you are. And so that's, that's really, to me, the fundamental building block of, of soulful persuasion is, is this idea of being yourself and being original. Smart, because being, act, pretending to be anybody else is too draining as well. It you is. yourself up trying. And you can sniff that out. You can tell when someone right. isn't quite beating, being in a, the, also, in a second, yeah. Yeah, we have, we're, humans have really good bullshit detectors. And we might not know it consciously, but there's something about that person that rubs us the wrong way. And that really comes from they're not being, you know, true to themselves. And, and you can tell they're, they're acting or trying to, uh, uh, you know, jig, rejigger something into um, benefiting themselves. And I'm curious what you think about this, but I feel like I'm more okay with putting up with bad qualities or tendencies about a person than I am with somebody being fake. Like if someone's annoying, like literally they won't yeah. stop talking, they're interrupting me. I'm more acceptable of that than I am of them like pretending to be somebody that they're not. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause you know what you're, they're consistent and you know what you're getting with them. <laughs> and you can deal, you know, you can deal with it versus that person who's, you know, either like trying to, you know, hide something or pull the wool over your eyes or telling you can tell when people are just telling you stuff that they think you want to hear, you know, they're just like pumping you up so that you they'll get whatever they want out of you. Was gaslighting that? that that's yeah. The gaslighting. Yeah. Term. <laughs> um, principle number two is around generosity, um, giving something away, you know, providing value where, where did, where, where do you see that being most practical in, in terms of how people can adapt that? Yeah, sure. So these principles in the book, there's 11 habits that fall out of these principles. And um, the, the principles, some of these you'll naturally have and some of these you have to learn. And so for me, uh, this is an area, this principle is something I really had to work on and to learn. And it didn't necessarily come naturally to me. But after working on it uh, for some time, now I am a, a generous person by nature. And so giving, because so, that's the other thing, uh, you can be true to yourself, but you can also know where you want to go and work on your, yourself to get there. So it doesn't mean, hey, this is how I am, take it or leave it. It can be, this is how I am, but I want to embody these other things. So I'm going to practice them. And once you practice something over time, it becomes habitual and you just do it reflexively. You don't have to practice it anymore because your mind has changed and you're you know, just doing it um, automatically. And so generosity to me is one of those. And this idea of giving something away in every interaction is thinking about when you cross paths with someone, how do you try to leave them a little bit better than before they cross paths with you? And that can be a lot of different things. That can be um, it, it, you know, it could be advice. It could be connections. It can be, uh, it can be, uh, counsel. It can be, um, you know, reviewing something for them. It could be giving something away to them. It could be remembering something they said. There's a myriad of ways to 
establish being generous. It's not just giving something away like a thing. You know, here's a baseball card I'm going to give you. It can be advice on, I'm going to explain how the baseball card market works to you and pass on my knowledge to you. That's giving something to me that's being a generous spirit. So that, that's, that's one principle under generosity. And then this idea of, of practicing positivity is creating a, a sense of gratitude and knowing the things in your life that you should be grateful for and making sure that you express that with those people around you and it's not just stuck in your head. Um, but that's a way to be generous with thought. And then, you know, another principle under generosity is this idea of respect. And when, you, when we respect someone, um, you know, we, we know that we, res we're, we respect their time. Uh, we, we, keep, we follow through. We do the things that we say we're going to do. Um, that's another way of, of showing respect and being a generous uh, person by nature. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. just providing value. It's such... It sounds so obvious, yet I feel like that is a reason why your book is a best-selling book, because people did not, you know, necessarily just inherit that, you know, naturally from, from birth. Um, well, it seems obvious to you, right? Because that's, you know, you kind of um, develop that, that way, but for someone else, it's not, it's not obvious. It's, it's, um, there, there may be transactional thinking and what they're going to get out of each interaction. Generosity is much more about not thinking about what you're going to get out of it. You know, not going in thinking, I give this, I get this. It's, it's, um, it's more um, being, being helpful, not knowing where it's going to go, but doing it for the sake of doing it. Totally. And that makes sense. Yeah. And also putting yourself in a position where, um, just by or working really hard to try to put yourself in a position to where one day just the exchange is a value change, right? Like this podcast, for example, if I have somebody on like that, that is a natural, but it's also two way, but it is a value exchange. It but is like, you know, so being able to, to set little things up like that, the, the thing, and I've spoken about this before here, and, and you're the best person in the world to, to, to talk about this with, but I'm always so fascinated by, you know, emails that I'll send out or that I'll receive. And it, it's always interesting. And one thing that I pay very close attention to is how many eyes there are in the email and how many. Oh, my God, I do that, too. Um, and it's really interesting because it will tell you everything you need to know about the person that's reaching out to you um, and what they want and whether they actually care about you or not. That's something that obviously you found as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even, even in running a company, the language, um, you know, as, as the CEO of a company, you always want, you want to be thinking in terms of, of, of we, not me, you know, yeah. Well, you want to be thinking in terms of, we, we accomplished this or we did this together or we think X, Y, and Z. Because when you make it I, it, it becomes all about your self-interest and not about the collective. And you always have to be thinking that way about the collective and not your individual, what, you, what you'll get out of it. Totally. And that's, that's just a way to rewire. But I look at that too. When I get emails, I always look at the I, 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 I'm like, okay, so where's the, where, like, where's the trade-off? Where's the connection? 
Where is the thinking about what I could get out of it? It's just about the, the other person. It's really funny. And I think, you know, we were talking briefly about, about cards at the beginning, but it reminds me, you know, sort of everything in general is just back down to that simple trade model. We're all just trading things for one another. Like whether it be, sure. you know, we're trading a salary for your work or we're trade like it's all everything in life. You can't find a single thing that isn't a trade unless it's a donation. But even then it's like a, you're donating something and then in return you receive like joy and happiness. You do, you get, uh, and you get like a tax credit, cool. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so there is a trade. What do you think love is love? Is love that? It's a mutual trade. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Right? Yeah, I guess it is. Unless, uh, well, is it unconditional love one way? I don't know. I, I have yet to find that, but you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't have an answer. Oh, uh, but that that's definitely interesting. But on the flip side, when you're putting content out, like for a personal brand or something, I think it's the opposite. Because if I'm posting on LinkedIn, right, and I say, you, 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 like you should do this, you should do that. It comes across like I'm, you know, a bit of a bit of a jerk up, you know. But if I'm talking about, you know, if I'm saying something, I'm always gonna say, I think this because of me messing up on this thing or me doing that thing. Um, so I, I think in terms of like putting out a personal brand, it should always be uh, you putting yourself down or up or whatever it is, but uh, coming from that. I perspective um, yeah. comes across much, much more organically. So that's like kind of the, flip yeah, yeah. the to the email thing. Definitely. Um, principle three uh, around being empathetic. Uh, what, what, what's the importance there? So this is about um, seeking out collaborations, trying to make it about the other person, uh, having a natural, curiosity about other people um and and trying to um listen and learn and you know we have uh at our company we have this expression with our clients that we assume genius so we assume that the clients we work with are geniuses and they're you know smarter than we are and that assumption uh, especially in our industry really goes a long way into building connection and, and relationships because it's so easy to say, trust us, we're the experts and we don't need your feedback and we don't need your advice and we don't need to collaborate. You're hiring us for our expertise. We'll go off and do that and then bring you the solution versus we're going to work on it together and build it together and collaborate. And we have that, this mutual respect. And so that's, that's one part of this idea of, of empathy and, and seeking out collaborations and making sure that um, you, there's this mutual collective working towards something. Like when you want to get buy-in for an idea in any company, you know, just, just saying this is where we're going and this is what we're doing um, can work for some things. But when you get buy-in along the way and input and you make the idea this collective effort, um, it goes much farther. And the other area of, of em being empathetic is trying to look at people and see the commonalities between us all, not the, not the differences. And so um, 
you know, there's this, there's a stat I always throw around, but we have 99.9% of the same DNA. All of us do, mm -hmm. but we, we think, especially if you look at our country, you know, politically, how divided we are with our different beliefs and what, you know, how we think the other side is so much different than we are. And it's, it's really polarizing when in the fact is, you know, we all have the same needs and wants, you know, we have the same hierarchy of needs. We have the same um, goals really, you know, basically when it comes down to it, but we try to think of us as so different, but when we're really not. And so this is just emphasizing the commonalities that we share as humans and trying to emphasize that in your thought process and when you think about other people. Um, and it's an interesting, unique way to go through life and try to collaborate and think about the other person's point of view and realize that we're, we're sort of, you know, we're, we're all going through this human experience together and we're all very similar. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I think the importance of, it's, it's so true what you said in terms of everybody having the same goals, you know, yeah. you know, everybody's got different career goals, but at the end of those career goals, you've all got the same goals and everybody needs to, you know, eat, sleep, drink. That's right. Exactly. Eat, sleep, drink, love, prosper, you know, all those things, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. But, and then, and then, you know, kind of on the, on the, on the flip side of all of those things, um, you know, well, I, I think it's, I think it's so important to, um, to, to, you know, treat everybody, like you said, you know, not, not just clients, but everybody. I, I think everybody's a million times smarter than I am because they are when I think they are. Right. You know, exactly. It's all up to your own interpretation. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's well said. Yeah. Not just clients, but everyone and not going into it as the know-it-all or I have, I know something that this person doesn't, but uh, the mindset of, you know, we're all doing the same things and, and we're all relatively, you know, smart, smart people. Now, of course, there's people that you come across that um, leave a bad taste in your mouth and they're jerks and people you don't want to associate with and you don't have to be nice to everyone, uh, you know, but. Incredibly foolish because the way I, I, I sort of think we both look at this is like, um, everybody has 24 hours in the day. Everybody has the same amount of time in the day. Everybody spends it differently. No matter what you spend your time on different than I spend my time on different than a seven-year-old spends his time on. Everybody spends their time on something. I want to learn what you spend your time on because I don't have that same time to spend on what you spend your time on as you right, do. Right. So therefore, yeah. everything by default that you do in your time is stuff that I don't do and I want to learn about. That's awesome. I bet you learn a lot from the podcast. It's my version of school. I didn't go to college. So instead, I just get to, I get to learn from, from me. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's a good hack. Skip college and start a podcast. Honestly, it's not a bad tip for anybody. Um, you get to, you know, the thing about college is like a lot of, a lot of the smartest people in any industry, they're not going to be teaching at a college. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's very true. They are happy to do a podcast and spread, you know, their wisdom to the world because that's, that's so true. 
When did wait? When did you start hoops? I started Hoops Nation when I was thirteen. Well, I started a version of it. I started a fantasy basketball version of it. Then it morphed into a full NBA version, and then the third uh, iteration of it was Hoops Nation when I was like fifteen. Fifteen, Jesus, dude. Yeah, man. Few, That's insane. Few years back, just, just, it, you know, it, it's insane. But then again, I wasn't doing it as a business. You know, I had no intentions of making any money from it. I had no. I was doing it for fun, and that's why it worked. That's I, a really, that's a really good point. You didn't have sort of all ulterior motive. You were just doing it for the love of it. Also, the most yeah. important factor here, and the re- the only reason that that's even possible, is because I was that age and I had no overhead. That's very true. Anybody in my position, like I'm 20 now, anybody in, in my shoes who's in college or doing anything, they have some level of overhead, whether it be the overhead of a significant other, whether it be the overhead of a student loan or going to college, the overhead of the time that it takes to do your homework and your papers, the social made up you know, time restraints that you put on yourself, um, family, there are a million different overheads, not just financial that you put on yourself. You know, whereas me as a 15 year old, I was a terrible student. I knew that wasn't for me. So I was able to just allocate all that, that time towards something I was doing for fun. You know, I think when anybody does that, it tends to work out. That's amazing. Yeah. You had that hardcore love early on. That was your passion. You poured, you poured your, uh, your time into it. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's really fun when you think about like, you know, you and I versus uh, Shakespeare, any, anybody in the history of the world, they all had the same 24 hours in a day. And oftentimes one of them lived a lot shorter lives than sure. we are able to because of modern tech and tech and medicine and things of that nature. Um, so everybody was able to accomplish literally everything in the exact same amount of time or less than we have. That's so true. That's a I love very that. humbling thing when you think about it. That's true. Damn. And they did it without technology. Anybody who you know about from like before 1950, 60, 70, did everything they were able to do with the same or less amount of time than we did. And the lack of everything that we have. It's very humbling. And it makes me feel like an idiot, honestly. Oh, please. I mean, I think you have an adva- you had an advantage. I mean, I, I, I actually did too. Um, because when I was, when I was 12, I knew I want, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wanted to get into advertising and that that was a career and I was going to do that career. So I didn't have to spend a lot of years trying to ramble and figure out what was the thing that I wanted to do with my time. I knew this was the career. Eventually I'd start a company around it and that was my goal. And, you know, you, you, you love basketball and you, you found er, at an early age how to turn that into, maybe it wasn't conscious. You knew that that was something you were going to do somehow for, for your, with your hours. Right. What, what was, what's funny is I, I thought I was going to be a play-by-play. Well, I thought I was going to be a, the point guard for the New York Knicks. Let me put that out. You never really thought that, though. I, I mean, somewhere deep down when I was young, I did. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then I didn't make the JV team. And I didn't, I didn't, not even varsity. I didn't make the JV team. And I didn't then grow six inches like Jordan and come back and, you know, dunk on everybody. 
Uh, I started broadcasting the JV girls field hockey games instead. <laughs> oh my God, it's amazing. And then, you know, slowly worked my way up there. But that, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then eventually I realized that that, that sort of path, um, just like in the, you, you gotta, like, it's important to understand um, how, uh, like what the, how long things take for most people. Yeah. Um, for broadcast for you. It's such a long process. You go to college, you go through the minor leagues, you work your way up. Whereas I was like, all right, well, if I just created a personal brand and I, if I still do want to do broadcasting one day, but I have that brand, it's a much better value asset. It's like how former NFL players are able to go straight from, uh, you know, playing in the NFL to broadcasting. It's because they have extra leverage, no matter how good. Well, they that, yeah. They have a built in audience that loves them. And they're gonna bring their audience with you. Yeah, the power of audience is, is real. Um, and I think that's what's really gonna happen more and more with with broadcasting things like that. But all that aside, uh, to your principle again, principle three, yeah. uh, being being empathetic. It, it's also, do you think like part of that is you know understanding that like everybody's going through something, no matter no matter like what it is. Um, maybe it's like a business thing that they're going through or it's a mental thing that they're going through or a personal thing it is part of that understanding that you know everybody's going through something and just being aware of that yeah there's this quote that i love which is you know don't don't judge me by the chapter that you walked in on and i think you know that really sums it up well which is understanding that um we don't know what's going on in people's lives and we don't know the past or what they went through to get to where they are. So we have to be, we have to allow space and be a little um, empathetic in, in that regard of, we don't know where they're coming from exactly. So we have to be aware and be flexible with like where their idea, ideas come from if they don't match ours. Um, so like there's a, there's a story that I always talk about um, with you know, this, whatever your political views are, set those aside. But uh, he was so anti-immigration, like against any immigrants coming to this country. And I couldn't really understand why. And, you know, we could argue the points back and forth. But until I dug deeper to understand his personal story, which was that when he was growing up, uh, his father lost his job and he spent you know, six months living in the car, his family lived in their car and uh, an immigrant took, took his dad's job and basically the welfare for the family. And so um, that, that sort of was, was his experience and that why he sees immigrants as taking, taking jobs away from people that may be born here. And so whether you, what, it doesn't matter if you believe that, don't believe it, whatever your stance is. The point is he had a belief on that that we didn't agree with on but it came from an experience so i had to really dig deep enough and find enough and listen to understand where he was coming from because i didn't know that part of his of his life and i didn't know you know he's a business person in new york successful i didn't know where he had been in his past so by taking that extra time to uncover the whys and not just arguing for the sake of arguing, allows shared perspective and points of view. Mm, yeah, I'm asking people where, 
where they came to that from or or do you think you can even ask people like what experience did that come from or yeah i think you can say you to think that yeah i think you can say things like um tell tell me the story of of why you hold that belief where where does that come from Mm. what what experiences have you had with this that make you feel that way you know you can kind of peel back the layers of the onion to get a little more information and then you can understand each other better you know, when you're just talking surface level about an issue, but you don't know what's driving it and what's behind it, it it's not going to get you very far. Yeah, that's, that's super smart. I love that. Principle four is around being soulful. Uh, what does is, what is, what is being soulful and living skillfully mean? So these are my, this is sort of the most important uh, part in in my opinion. So if you have, you know, the building blocks of being yourself, knowing what your value system is, practicing that, always trying to be true to who you are in all aspects of life. You try to develop a a sense of generosity and 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 empathy. And then soulful is that that extra part of trying to strive to be inspirational to people, being inspirational to other people by doing something that's outside yourself. And so it could be a cause that you fight, like, you know, for the sports metaphor, uh, Muhammad Ali is like a great example of a soulful person. The reason why he's the GOAT, yes, he was one of the best boxers of all time, of course, but also he stood up for, he didn't believe in the Vietnam War. So he wouldn't get drafted. He got thrown in jail. He lost five years on his career when he was in his late 20s, which was like, you know, really good time for a boxer. I think it was like mid to late twenties came back in his, in his early thirties. But the point of that is that he was principled and he stood up for his principles and he believed he stood up for what he believed in. So we don't think of Muhammad Ali just as a sports figure. We think of him as, as really a, an American icon and he goes beyond just sport. And he did that because you know, he had, he was principled and stuck to those and he was soulful and he did something beyond just for himself. It would have been easy for him to go over there and get a fake job, a fake, you know, war job and not be in harm's way and be protected and then come back and keep boxing. But it was about standing up and, and, and thinking more outside of himself that this isn't, this isn't what we should be doing. And this is something that I don't believe in. So that's an example uh, of doing that. And so, when we strive to be inspirational in our daily life, to me, it's about thinking, you know, there's a, there's a, a skilled thing that I always ask people to do, which is take out on a piece of paper and on one side, write down three things you're good at. And on the other side, three things that you care about making the world a better place. If you look at those lists long enough, you'll come up with an idea of how, what's your give back, what can you do to enhance the world around you? And so for me, uh, as an example, and this really clicked for me later on in my career, but I was, you know, we had a successful agency. We were doing a lot of good work in advertising, a lot of big brands. And I realized, is that it? Like, is that all I'm doing for the world is selling sneakers and deodorant and ice cream and, you know, <laughs> stuff great like that. Things. It's great things, but like, that's it. And then, I, I started working with uh, Joe Biden's team on a awesome. campaign on a campaign called "It's on Us," which 
it was, it was preventing sexual assault on college campuses. And then from that, um, I co-founded an organization called the Creative Alliance that has uh, hundreds of agencies that do pro bono work. So they use their advertising powers for good. I'm not suggesting people have to do something that grandiose and start as a separate company doing good works. It's more of what can you do? You know, maybe you do some of this stuff I'm using you as an example with your card business, your love of hoops, you've got a bunch of successful businesses happening. What can you do around sports where you feel like you're helping those in need? Because that's going to give you a lot, but it's also going to inspire people that look up to you and say, Hey, Buster's done. Look at how he started all these things when he was young. Look at how successful his career is. And he also does this other thing. Maybe I should think about doing uh, some inspirational work as well. So it's really about becoming a role model for those around you. And you become more influential when you are inspirational and doing things outside yourself. Totally. <clears throat> and I'm also, I, I think in, in that regard as well, being able to, you know, if you have like the, both the people, the network and the capabilities, being able to merge different industries together, like you were talking about, because something really powerful happens when you do that. So like something that I'm really passionate about is the ocean and making sure that it's clean and there isn't plastic and, you know, uh, environmentally friendly things, specifically in regards to the ocean. Because when I was super young, in addition to thinking that I was going to be the point guard for the Knicks, I thought I was going to be a marine <laughs> biologist. Oh, um, no way. That's awesome. So, and then I learned that you had to both be smart and it wasn't just snorkeling with fish. So that kind of went out the window. But yeah, that was fun. I do still care a lot about it. Um, but, uh, you know, so being able to um, merge sort of these things together. So from running uh, the Hoops Nation stuff for three, four years, pretty much by myself, I learned a lot about how to build platforms and things like that. So I realized that I could build another one, you know, things like travel nation and doing that, but using all the same strategies to push towards positive causes and using everybody in those networks to push to positive causes. Cause that's the one place where you can really get a lot of people on board pretty easily because everybody wants to feel good about themselves and doing good things. Um, and you can take advantage of that for the betterment of society. And in this case, the environment and the ocean. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. That's great. Um, so I want to ask through, through a uh, mechanism, what have been, you know, some of your biggest lessons learned in, in terms of creating something that is, you know, uh, a well-told story in terms of an ad or just something that drives results for you? Well, I think, you know, a principle that we always think about is, um, people love great brands but not everyone loves advertising. Mm -hmm. No, you're not, you're not, you're not waiting to watch the, you know, content, the sport highlight content that you want to watch from last night. And then a, you know, pop-up ad comes on, you're like, Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to, you know, learn about the new Buick. Uh, so at, while advertising is important and has a place, there's also storytelling and learning what the brand stands for and how to make people connected to the brand through, um, you know, storytelling and knowing what the brand stands for. So we always try to do both, you know, we try to create ads, but we also try to drive 
um, you know, either community or storytelling or something else beyond just, you know, here's an ad with all the bullet points and why you should buy it. So storytelling is fundamental to what we believe in. We believe everyone loves a good story. Everyone loves a great brand, but no one, no one's thinking about plain advertising. Mm. As a, so storytelling is paramount to what we do. For sure. Now, yeah. I'm curious your perspective on this. Um, you know, people always say like everything, everything is so saturated, especially in the days of like digital where you Google anything and there are literally a hundred million search results. Um, how do you look at doing something, um, being original and doing something unique in that, it, within that framework of everybody saying that, you know, everything has been done or you can't do this and, you know, uh, all, all the great, like so many great stories have been told. There's so much to compete against. How do you kind of weigh all that and just stay and, and focus? Well, I think you have to look at, it comes from like a good strategic place on, yes, everything's been done. Sure, you can say that, but every brand is unique. They all started and they were all born for one reason or another. So they already starting from like, a, just like people, they're starting from like a unique only them place and it's our job to uncover that and unearth it and tell that story and not try to have them be like the next guy or, or chase you know if, if we're doing a a peloton ad and building that brand and then nordic track comes out with something that looks exactly like it that's you know that feels like they're not creating their own lane so it's up to us with our own brands and stories to tell that we're creating that unique lane mm. for them. So we always try to go back to the origin of the, of the company, why it began, because in there is a good story, uh, how the brand's going to look and feel and behave. But we treat brands like humans and everyone's unique. And so, you know, you and I are different. Every, everyone you encounter is going to be different than, than, than you are. Everyone I encounter is going to be different than I am. So, Brands are the same way, but you got to make sure you're keeping that uniqueness about them. Like what makes them different than everyone else? Smart. Yeah. Um, if you could go back and tell your, your 20 year old self a piece of advice, what, what would you go back and, and say? Um, I think I always, I mean, it kind of is counter to what we talked about with how people spend their time in a day. Mm -hmm. how short lives used to be. But I think I spent um, a lot of time worrying about where, like the next thing, you know, where I was going to go, when I was going to start a company, when I started my company, when it was going to break 10 million, when it was going to break 30 million, when I was going to have this many employees, when I was going to have this many, you know, brands. And I would just tell my, you know, younger self, that uh, enjoy the ride more and don't measure yourself and you're going to get there and you have time, but just enjoy each of those steps. Cause I feel like sometimes I took too much time while I was in one step looking at the next step, you know, even I still do that even now, like, you know, when's my book going to be finished as, as my side thing, you know, when's my book going to be done? How's it going to perform? You know, when's the next one going to come out? So I'm, I'm still have to always rein myself in 
and and even now and so my 20 i wish i started that that um thought process younger of enjoying the ride and not looking down the road too far totally i think one of my favorite you mentioned you know comparing yourself you know whether it be to yourself or to other people i think one of the one of my favorite lines ever um i forget i think it was um the VC venture capitalist Naval uh, Ravikant, but he said, yeah. um, you know, you can't uh, compare yourself to other people because you can't, A, doing that, nothing changes by the end of your session of doing that. But mo more importantly, you can't pick and choose things from other people's lives to add to your own. You can, I love that. you can't, uh, like somebody, you don't, you'd never want to be somebody else, no matter who they are, no matter if it's, you know, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, you don't want to be them. You do not know what they're going through. Um, and you can't pick and choose. Like you can't say, well, I want, uh, you know, not, not to be mean, to, uh, we love Jeff Bezos here, but, uh, you know, I can't just say I want his money, but I don't want his divorce. <laughs> you, know, like, you, know, you can't you can't pick and choose like it does just not how things work um and i think that is so important to remember for anybody nobody should want to be me nobody should want to be you and nobody should want to be anybody or they nobody should want anything uh, that you have or anything that i have and that is the most freeing thought ever i love that i love that that's that i mean that goes back to like not looking down the road right like be happy where you are and be happy you're you're who you are right and i think that's that's a mantra you gotta i mean i'm still working on that so if i told i wish i was working on it for the past 20 years you know but i'm always i mean part of it is that drive to move does move you forward like that does get you results but it has to be it has to be tempered with i'm happy where i am and I'll be happy at the next phase. Not, I can't wait to get to the next phase. You need to start with that. I'm really happy where I am. Right. Sometimes you see it with a uh, professional athletes will say this too. That's, that's a, it's really interesting. Like in business, nothing happens overnight and nothing happens overnight for anybody really, but for basketball players in particular, you are, I mean, it's as clear, it's as night and day as you aren't a millionaire one day and then you are the next day when you're drafted. And that's pretty intense. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of guys will, you know, some, I've seen it from some fighters. You mentioned Ali earlier, but they'll say, you know, looking back to their early days, they um, and anybody who reaches any sort of fame usually feels the same way. Uh, they wish like they oftentimes they wish they could go back to before. You know, you would always hear like stories of famous artists like the Beatles, for example. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, Got to enjoy the moments uh, before these crazy things happen to you because you can't go back. And it's That's so good. point. That's great. Really good. Yeah, it's amazing how many uh, celebrities and famous people go nuts because they really can't control they don't have control of their, they don't have anonymity anymore and they don't control their lives, you know? So there's a power in that. When you said you don't want to wish your life with someone else's, you don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what Bill Gates is dealing with or Jeff Bezos, but it, they're not you with a lot of money. There's somebody else dealing with their own things with a lot of money.
Right. Yeah. And no matter what level you're at, you have your own problems that are perfectly proportional to wherever you're at. That's so great. somebody's problem, you know, who has, you know, a ton of money is exactly as intense as, and as terrible as it is for him proportionally as it would be to me proportionally to what I'm going through. That's a good point. It's all relative. It is. I love that. Yeah. It's really, it's really fascinating. But the, the fame one's interesting too, because, um, you know, there, there are a lot of positives that would come from that, I imagine. Um, but a lot of negatives too. Again, not to pick and choose from other people. And I think that's, that's freeing for, for us all. So what, last question here, what are you most excited about? Like what, what gets you the most fired up? Like when you woke up this morning, apart from doing this podcast, obviously, clearly this is the most fired up of my day right here. What, <laughs> what, what are you most excited about these days? Um, I mean, currently, you know, we're, we're working on, uh, you know, there's, um, what we're working on, I, I, there's something I'm working on that I realize I can't talk, I can't talk about, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I guess, uh, sorry about that, but I'm just excited. Um, I'm excited really to, um, help, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with up and coming entrepreneurs and a lot of advising and I'm really just happy in the space of passing on what I did wrong and what I did right. And that gets me pumped up uh, to do more and more of that. And whether it's through the book, through a podcast, through individual people that I might help mentor, I, I love that stuff. Like I can't get enough of that stuff. You know, I love running a company. I love doing the social good work that pumps me up too, but I really like uh, being able to share all the things I didn't know and went through and, um, you know, the, the, the way I think business is done right with other people that are starting out. That gets me fired up. That, well, you did a lot of that today. Uh, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you for that. The legacy building. Um, so obviously anybody who wants to read your book, they can get it. The soulful art of persuasion. Is there anywhere else where, where people can find you? Uh, yeah, the soulful is my, my website. And then you can just find me you know, at Jason underscore Harris on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm around books on Amazon and other places. Amazing. Well, Jason, thank you so much for doing this. This, this was awesome. I had a great time, man. It's great chatting with you. Awesome. All right, everybody. See you next time. Peace. Peace.